This podcast is brought to you by Xander Fryer, the co-author of a new book entitled Mastering the Art of Success. In Greg's interview with Xander, they discuss the power of defining your purpose and learning how this simple process can bring more joy, happiness, and fulfillment into your life. Xander is a master coach who studied under Jack Canfield and helps his clients to achieve the success they deserve. Please listen to podcast number 658 with Xander Fryer about the pursuit of purpose. For the latest free entrepreneurial training from Xander, please go to www.xanderfryer.com backslash go. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all my listeners, Chris, as I've done all the time when I come on these shows. Um, over 100,000 people out there that consistently come again and again and again to listen to uh, the words of wisdom from our author. And today, joining me from Ohio is Chris Schneider, and that's spelled S-N-I-D-E-R, different uh, spelling. And Chris has a book out called Walking to Dev Destiny, 11 Actions an Owner Must Take to Rapidly Grow Value and Unlock Wealth uh, in Their Business. Chris, good day to you. Thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth. Good morning, Greg. Glad to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you. And I think for many of my listeners, they know that I do podcasts on personal growth and wellness and mastery and business. And the most important thing that a business owner has to keep in mind really is, you know, this part about exiting. Um, and you bring such tremendous value um, to the table. Um, you're also the owner and um, of the Exit Planning Institute, and I want my listeners to know about that as well. Um, if you want to find out more, we're going to have this in the blog, but I will say that if you want to, go to www.exit-planning-institute.org, and there you can learn more about Chris, his team, the resources, the blog. If you have any interest in finding one of their um, actual people who are certified to do this, I'm sure Chris and his team can put you in touch with that. So, Chris, we're going to be talking about your book today, but I want to let the listeners know a tad bit about you so they get an idea of what is involved in this. Uh, Chris Schneider is a CEPA. He's also the CEO and president of the Exit Planning Institute. He's the creator of something called Value Acceleration Methodology, which we'll be talking about in this uh, podcast, and the managing partner of Schneider Premier Growth. Um, he is recognized as a thought leader and trendsetter in the field of value acceleration and exit planning uh, with a message that really resonates with entrepreneurs across the country. Chris is a sought-after speaker for many major companies and trade industries, and the association's organizations are dedicated to serving transition and growth needs of business owners. Well, Chris, it's a pleasure having you on the show and spending a few minutes um, with my listeners today talking about this walk to destiny, as you called it. And I'm going to tee this up because, you know, your son, who's in the business with you, Scott, writes in the foreword to the book that you've had really an interesting personal journey um, to the acquisition of the Exit Planning Institute. And my question is, you know, 
we're talking about exit planning. Some business owners don't even like that word exit. Um, why do you believe that exit planning is so important for business owners? And what are some of the benefits that the people listening to this show who are business owners and entrepreneurs can get from working with either a certified planner or any planner who's actually out there doing exit planning or succession planning? That's a great question to start, Greg. The, uh, uh, I think the, the simplest sort of most straightforward answer to that is that typically around 80 to 90% of an owner's wealth, their net worth is locked in their business. And uh, unless, you know, it's paper money, right? So I remember my brother used to say to me, he was rich on paper uh, because unless you can convert that asset into cash by liquidating it at some point in the future, you never actually have it in your hand. And I feel like as a business owner myself, you know, the years and the dedication and the hard work that goes on in building a business and keeping it going and, and growing it, that it's just a tragedy if at the at the end of that business cycle you weren't able to harvest that wealth um, and pass it on, you know, whatever you want to do with it, but, but basically harvest it and pass it on. And today, success rates are only about 20 or 30 percent. So what we're talking about is, you know, seven to eight out of 10 business owners uh, aren't able to harvest that wealth uh, when, when it does come time to leave their business. And, and at EPI and, and sort of my, one of my personal missions has become to change that outcome. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. And I think you've got, as maybe of our, many of our listeners know, or maybe they don't know, but the baby boomer population is growing tremendously. Uh, there's going to be trillions of dollars transferring hands here in the next 20 of years from from businesses down to children or mergers and acquisitions. So this is an incredibly large growing field. And I think it's so important to plan for this because, as you said, 80% of the wealth is frequently tied up in that business by a business owner. Now, Chris, you titled the book after a gospel song entitled Walking in My Destiny. And, you know, writing a book, because I've written a couple of them, isn't the easiest journey in of itself. And you used to, go to this <laughs> you used to go to this park and you'd sit there. And I think that's where this epiphany came was uh, as a result, I saw the picture of the sign that you had taken yeah. of the park that you went in. Um, yeah. What about the song that inspired you to want to help business owners along their journey toward a successful exit of their business. I mean, this is a gospel song that obviously moves you. You yeah. you titled your book after it, so it's got to have some significant meaning. It really does. Uh, you know, one of the things, Greg, I, I didn't realize when I started the book, I, I wanted to write a book for a long time, and I felt like the industry really needed a book that was more targeted towards business owners, uh, but that could be used by business owners and advisors, but more targeted towards business owners that wouldn't just tell them what needs to be done, but how to do it. And so that was why I felt like the book needed to be written. And it was another sort of my personal journey, something I've always wanted to do. So fortunate, I was in a fortunate position to be able to go away for a month uh, in the month of January. So remember, I'm in Cleveland. So going away for the month of January to Florida uh, is, is a, you know, a pretty uh, uh, interesting thing to get out of the cold weather. 
and uh, I wanted to get a jump start on it. And yeah, I did sit at that picnic bench almost every day and and write. We, you know, normally when you write a book, you uh, you, you sort of uh, my coaches were telling me that I should start with the title, and I. I just felt like the title would come to me as I began to express my feelings in the book. And uh, we were getting towards the end of it and I was, you know, getting pressure from the editors and, and my peers to, you know, put, get a title together. And I said, well, it's just going to, one day it'll just come to me. It'll just come to me. And I was out running. I'm a runner. Uh, running is almost like meditation to me. It gives me that, that quiet time for me to go run and think, and I like to listen to gospel music when I run. I find it, you know, very inspirational. And the song uh, uh, "Walking in My Destiny" came up, and uh, I was listening to that song. And the song talks about, you know, we all have a path. We're on a journey, and that journey will eventually lead us to some place. Um, and you know, if we follow our faith and we follow our guidance. Uh, that we could achieve our destiny and we can live in prosperity forever. Mm -hmm. And as I was running and I heard the lyrics and the song, I already knew it, but I never really listened to lyrics that way. It just hit me. It's like, that's the message I'm trying to get across to business owners is there is a path you're on a journey and, uh, and you can achieve your destiny. Yeah. And I think as we were talking about before, this journey involves also, no matter what anybody says, uh, I just lost a friend at 67 out surfing last week, you know, and that's, was a, a, not a timely demise, um, had a huge consulting business. And the point is it's your spiritual journey as well. You know, every day is a gift. And I want to remind these owners who are postponing some kind of exit planning that, you know, exit planning, succession planning, whatever you'd like to, call this, you have to, at some point, um, face your own impermanence. Um, we're all impermanent. We're not here forever. And I think that's an important thing, a thing. And I think walking in my destiny really says it very succinctly. Um, not that people are out there trying to tell you to do something. You just need to be awake and alert to see this. Now, one of possible. That it is possible. It, certainly it's possible. And that the full value of that business can go on to your heirs or your wife or somebody else Charity. who wants to carry on your legacy, right? Absolutely. So now you, one of your first jobs out of college was as an operational auditor for Sherwood Williams. Yeah. Based on your story, you learned a lot about consulting as a result of that position. Yeah. What did you learn about people and processes? Now, this is kind of the interesting part that you still utilize in your consulting today and that business owners need to know about. Yeah, so the first job, it seems like such a long time ago now, <laughs> but uh, that first job, that was a, there's two ways into the Sherwin-Williams. One is through the audit department, the other way is through, and through the stores. And it's sort of like a proving ground. Um, but it is also a great way that Sherwin-Williams uses the the positions to really train people about uh, quickly um, about operations. So what I used to do is I would travel around to the paint stores in the uh, upstate New York, Vermont, and northern Pennsylvania area, and I'd conduct you know two, three, maybe four day audits of the paint stores 
Mm-hmm. And what sort of the lessons I think that I learned, other than you know I was green and fresh out of school, and it was really you know you're you're being thrown into a situation where you have to walk into the store and uh, audit someone that might be twice your age, or you know, and you have to handle yourself in a way that doesn't offend them. Is still respectful, but you still have a job to do. Uh, but I think one of the, so there were a number of people skills I learned there, you know, how to, how to present right. myself. But the other thing is, you know, what you followed, like, what the heck did I know about, uh, you know, paint stores? You know, I was you know, six months out of school. But what you had is you had an audit guide. And everything about how that store should be run was displayed and written out in detail in that audit guide. And you were basically going in to conduct tests. And so what I discovered is that, you know, you can develop a blueprint for how to operate best in class. Now, mm-hmm. You may never achieve best in class, but you can strive for it and you can measure how far away you are from it. And so I think probably one of the big things that, that I took away is that to document why you do what you, you did. And if you just indulge me here for a second, I'll give you a, a story as an owner that the owners can understand here. My son... Uh, uh, presented me in the fall this year uh, a preliminary uh, summary of our 2017 accomplishments in our company. And he put this together, this beautiful PowerPoint presentation with you know, a good amount of detail and analysis, and I was super impressed with it. And I said to him, so, so how did you create this? Did you write down how you created it? And he was like pointing to the document saying, well, yeah, that, that's what I created. It's right there. And I'm like, no. How did you go through it? What did you think about in order to, how did you lay out your analysis? What steps did you do? Who did you interview? In effect, what we're saying is he was documenting how he created the document. The document's the output, but how he created it is really where a lot of the value is. Because if we can document how it's done, then that means we can pass it on and we can train our staff and we can uh, pass that on. And that's what people want to buy. So a lot of times owners, they focus on the outcome and they're not focusing on the talent and skills that they're using to actually develop and produce that outcome consistently every time. So important. What you're saying is so valuable. I'm glad that you brought that story up about your son because, you know, as Simon Sinek says, you know, you have to know your why, your how, and your what. And I think frequently what happens with people is if they don't define that center um, why, right? The how and the what, you know, a lot of times people can tell you the how and the what, but they don't know the why. And I think that is really important. Now, for every baby boomer listening out there is going to retire or transition, as I said a few minutes ago, out of their business, trillions of dollars are going to change hands. You've developed something that you call the value acceleration methodology. Um, how does this methodology help owners of businesses increase the value in their companies prior to succession or exit, sale, merger, whatever they're going to do with it? Um, because you really have created a unique tool here over years of consulting and putting this together and just Briefly, if you can, tell our listeners about that. Yeah, so, you know, in writing the book, uh, Greg, you know, they said one of the things that was important to me is not just explain what, but explain how. 
Because I feel like sometimes you read a business book and you go like, those are great ideas. And then you sit down and you go, well, how do I implement it? I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do when I go back to my office and I walk into work tomorrow? Like, how, how do I take this knowledge and make an impact with it? And so I really wanted to uh, make that impact in my book and created the value acceleration methodology, which is a process for how to implement value acceleration. So if you go through the book, you kind of get a sense of the market. Then I, I talk about what I call the four core concepts, which are really important for the owners to understand conceptually. But if you agree with those concepts, then uh, the logical next question is how? And so the methodology is a step-by-step -step guide on how to actually implement your vision. And uh, it gets, it's, what, it's based on what I call a gating process, which I learned back in my Price Waterhouse days, where you, the idea behind a gate is that you have to sort of pay a toll or you have to accomplish certain things in order to proceed to the next level. And so it's, it's a fair process of identifying what you have today and then mitigating the risks, protecting what you have, then building value, and then ultimately you're gonna harvest and, and, and your final stage would be to manage your wealth holistically. The other thing is that it's, uh, and it goes back to Peter Chrisman, the founder of EPI, one of my closest friends and mentors. He talks about the three legs of the stool. In order to have a successful transition, you have to uh, be personally prepared, you have to be financially prepared, and you have to have your business prepared. So a lot of times owners tend to focus on the business because we're so busy and the business absorbs so much of our time, we don't spend a lot of time on ourselves or on our personal financial situation. And so most of the time, and it might be surprising to many owners, most of the time the failure on an exit is not really because of the business, it's because the owner isn't personally or financially ready. So we needed a methodology, a management process, so to speak, that integrated, and what I'd like to say is harmonized, your personal, your financial, and your business into one, what we call master plan. So if master plan's the concept, value acceleration is how you implement it. It's interesting, and, and as many of these as you've done, which I'm sure it's hundreds of exits, and you've watched others do it as well, um, I know this is going to be an off-the-wall question, but for a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, when is enough enough? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a great. That was interesting because I get that question. Uh, uh -huh. So it's not really off the cuff. You know, sometimes I've, I've had media will call me up and say, when's the right time to exit, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what I like and what I advise owners to do is let's, let's take the timing of the exit off the table. And let's just get ourselves in a position where we're always ready. And you do that by integrating exit planning concepts into the way you run your business every day. Because we know, especially in today's dynamic and quickly changing world, how you feel today might be very different from how you feel in 90 days. If you, one of the exercises I take owners through is I, I ask them to think about what could change in 90 days? What are the kinds of things that could happen that could substantially impact your point of view on things. And you know, if we went through that extra, you can name some pretty significant things. So what we have to do is we have to stop thinking about exit as something I do down the road. And it's something that's part of my life and it's part of my business life cycle. And we integrate it into what we do every day. And then that question is to, you know, when do you know it's the end? 
yeah, you'll know it when you know it. But when that when you do dis, when you do discover it, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's forced on you or it's by your own choice, uh, you'll be ready either way. Yeah, and I I think that it's so important what you talked about just then with business owners is that you integrate these practices early on in the business. You know, succession planning isn't like something you should wait to uh, the last month before you do it to try and get it done. You should start early and integrate what you're doing here to increase the value. Because much of what you're doing is that, and you state that value, not income, is the primary long-term goal of the growth of your business. And I think for a lot of business owners, it isn't that way. You know, you talked about lifestyle businesses. Many consultants have kind of lifestyle businesses. How do you get business owners to shift their perspective about the importance of building value and not just income? Because they've really, all they are is they're entrepreneurs working for themselves, making an income, but not building value. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I, I categorize business into two different categories. Um, one is the lifestyle style, as you're talking about. The other one is value creators. Mm-hmm. What my book is about is how to become a value creator. What the 11 actions are, are the 11 actions you need to take to become a value creator. And I would estimate that about 90% of the businesses out there are lifestyle businesses. Now, mm-hmm. both types of businesses generate income. You can have a very nice lifestyle business that generates millions of dollars for you, but it, the difference is that a lifestyle business is typically owner-dependent, where a value creator is owner-independent, and a lifestyle business typically can't be sold, and it's unlikely to be able to transition it. So I have sometimes owners come back and say, well, I'm not going to sell, Chris. I'm going to transition the business to my son or my daughter. And I'll say to them, well, do you want to transition all your risk and all your problems to your son or daughter as well? So it doesn't matter which option you choose, whether you're going employees, management, family, or you decide to sell to a third party, you have to go through this process of getting your business both attractive and ready. And what that requires is that you have a, uh, I'm a big believer in in paradigms. You have to shift your paradigm. Most of us look at, most owners, for good reason, focus on sales and income, which is important. I'm not saying sales and income isn't important. But they, they don't regard value as well as sales and income. And mm-hmm. so my logic behind that is if, if you focus on building a, a valuable business, you will drive sales and income. But if you solely focus on sales and income without regard to value, you're not likely to be building any value. So why wouldn't you focus on value as your primary goal? Because all positive things come out of focusing on value, including sales, more sales and more income. What are some of the simple things, Chris, that that you might tell somebody who currently has a lifestyle business and might be listening to this and saying, okay, well, I get what you're saying, Chris, but I just don't know how to change my mindset or my focus to creating value because my value is me, right? They're selling themselves. Um, They don't have a team behind them or they don't have whatever. Because we have a lot of those kind of listeners, I guarantee you on this. We also have a lot of the other kind of listeners as well. But what what would be that two or three things you might say to get them thinking, okay, I really should transition this? The first thing is you have to believe you can do it. 
Uh, you know, I was on the phone yesterday with another business owner that's, that's writing a book and she was going to sell her business five years ago and realized that she couldn't get the amount she wanted to sell it. So she decided to keep it and then, and then build an owner independent business um, so that she could step away from it, but she would still be getting a dividend from it. Mm-hmm. And I told her, you know, in a way that is a form of exit. Uh, right. You know, she now has time to write books and things like that. But what we were talking about is that she said in her, you know, with her uh, uh, followers, a lot of the owners don't believe that they can build that independence into the business. So uh, I, and I, I told her, I, I think you can build independence into almost any business. You have to believe it first and then you have to be willing and and have the will to implement the changes necessary to to be able to build an independent business. And it's going to take you, you know, it's going to take you, you have to be committed a long time. It's going to take you five plus years to build that kind of business. So first of all, you just have to have belief and the will to do it. Once you have the belief and the will, the next thing is you need, you need some sort of a system or you need some structure to keep you on track. Like if you were going to head out into a forest that you had never visited before, It'd probably be a good idea, and you were trying to go from point A to point B, it'd probably be a good idea to get a guide so you're not wandering all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the reason where the value acceleration methodology comes in. And the very first step of the methodology, it's, it's always first and it should never be skipped, is what we call a personal financial business assessment. So those are back to the three legs of the stool again correlated to uh, your range of value for your industry. And what that does, it not only tells you what your business is worth today, if anything, uh, but it will also tell you what your business has, what your potential business value is if you implement these specific actions. And so oftentimes the first decision for the owner, you know, coming out of what we call the triggering event is a decision as to, do I have enough? Is the business worth anything? If it is, is it enough for me to feel independent of the business? And do I want to pursue this bigger number, which oftentimes can be two, 300% over what the business is today? And I just, you know, one of the questions that she asked me was, you know, why I felt that was so important, because not all business owners want to build a transferable business. Some business owners choose to have a lifestyle business, and that's okay. I'm not passing any judgment. What I'm saying is, as a business owner, I think that's you deserve to have the information to be able to make that choice. That is your choice. But a lot of times, owners don't have the information to be able to consider intelligently that choice. Right. And I think one of the things they need to be set up for also is the investment that it's going to take in capital uh, to get to that. Um, I think that some of the fear that's associated with that is so what do I have to either raise or what do I have to come out of pocket with to make that transition? And that is a reality of that, isn't it? I had an owner uh, back in 2012 when the tax rates were about to go up and he came to me and he said, look, I want to sell before the end of the year um, so I can avoid, you know, the increases in capital gains tax. And we looked at the business and he had a really great business. He was growing. And in the last six months, it had done that hockey stick where he was really taking off. And I assessed, I said, well, the good news is the business is saleable, let's say for X. And 
But I said, maybe the better news is that if you work with me for the next few years, I think we can raise this value by two to three times what it's presently worth. What do you want to do? And after talking to his wife about it, he came back and he said, you know what? I've, I've talked to Kim and I, I think what we want to do is we want to sell the business right now. And most people would be surprised at that. But mm-hmm. he was able to get enough money, you know, because he wanted to shift his lifestyle. Like you were saying, you know, when's enough enough? He had had enough and he was ready to move on to the next act of his life and start right. doing some different things. And the wealth that we were able to harvest out of the business, although it was one third of what I thought we could get if he waited, was still enough for him to move on to the next phase of his life. But the important point is he was able to make that choice because he had the information, you know, available to him to be able to talk that through with his spouse. I think that is important. I think many of our business owners are devoid of that or don't know where to go to get it. I'm just going to remind them again of your website. If you go to exit-planning-institute.org, um, you can get more information about Chris's organization and he has representatives uh, that have been trained in these um, the acceleration methodology and every all the other tools available throughout the United States. Now, and in, in kind of ending up this uh, interview, Chris, you quote the authors of the book Execution. And I actually quoted yeah. them in my book, too, because I believe their model is so important. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, in part of my uh, From Intuition to Innovation, uh, implementation, I call it, is the most important step, one of the most important steps. Um, why, in your estimation, is execution the greatest underaddressed issue in the business world today? So one of my other favorite authors, Greg, is uh, Wallace D. Waddles, who wrote The Science of Getting Rich. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's more of a philosophy book than anything else. But right. one of the things that struck me, I, I quote him a lot. One of his quotes that struck me when I read that book is, he, you know, he says, by thought, the thing you want is brought to you by action you receive it. And the point of it was, you can think about this stuff all day long, unless you execute, unless you act, nothing's going to change. You you will not achieve your vision. You will not uh, be able to harvest the wealth in your business, pass on your legacy, move into the next phase of your life, unless you act now and do something. And so, uh, that's why I think it's the greatest unaddressed issue. How many times do you see strategies written and they sit up on the shelf gathering dust or they're written and produced and everybody in the company is shaking their head saying, yeah, this is never going to happen. This is all just wishful thinking. It's because there's no, there's not enough consideration for how to implement the plan and maybe not enough input from the people who will have to implement the plan. And so I think execution is really what sets people, companies apart. The best in class companies are the ones who get things done and done well. The ones who are not best in class maybe survive, maybe even produce decent income, but they're never gonna be the best in class. It's, I think execution is really the differentiator in the marketplace. Uh, so important. Um, when, when more is said than done, nothing's getting done. Um, right. I didn't quote that exactly right, but you find that a lot inside the management of companies, a lot of talk, um, but no action. And I think when you, you read this book execution, which I'd highly recommend, it really addresses the issue of one of the biggest challenges today. 
And that's a lack of execution on your plans, right? Taking action right. toward them. And, it, you know, it, it's, um, it's those proximal goals, those goals that are in between the little steps that get you to the big one. I think people get discouraged, Chris, because they set this big goal and frequently they don't look at those little proximal goals in between, or at least they didn't think them all through at a time. Um, you know, you've got to work on those as well. And that's what um, the Exit Planning Institute does. It helps you make those proximal goals toward creating more value in your business, value for your family, transition down to the next generation, whatever it is that you plan to do, the key is value. And as we know, Chris, most of those business owners have worked, some of them, 30, 40 longer right. years building this, and they have not built the value that they deserve to get out of the business. Truly think about it. And uh, Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth to speak about this really important issue uh, for business owners. For all of my listeners, Walking to Destiny, there'll be a link on the blog to Amazon to purchase the book. There'll be a link to the Exit Planning Institute as well. Um, these are the 11 actions an owner must take to rapidly grow value and unlock their wealth. Chris, any parting words for the listeners? No, I want to thank you very much, Greg, for the opportunity. I enjoyed the conversation very much. And uh, just everybody remember the message, change the outcome. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth. Bye-bye.